If you'll turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, what we're not going to do is push ahead today. We're going to stay on the Pentecost event. We're not going to push into Peter's sermon yet. Um, I felt like as I pondered that this week that I needed to spend some more time making sure that we understood what we were talking about, what was so big about Pentecost, what's, what has happened here, what is taking place. What I find is that it's easy to get distracted by uh, the wind, the sound of the wind, the, the sight of the fire, and the languages from the essence. All those three things are pointing to what's fundamental and what's most basic and what's, and what's the message of Pentecost. So I want to make sure that we didn't miss that, and I want to spend some time on that tonight. So let's pray and then look at that together. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to be gathered on the Lord's Day for a second time, to be gathered, some of us back together again who were separated this morning. It's good to see uh, each other again. It's good to be together. It's good to open your word and to think about it. I pray that you would help me. Help us to worship and praise as we read and think about your word. As we listen to the scriptures and think about what they mean uh, by your spirit, stir us up to praise and to worship. Uh, let the sermon itself be worship. Let me worship as I preach and all of us worship uh, as we listen together. Draw us into this, I pray. Uh, teach us what you have to teach us. Illuminate us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me read, not the entire account. Last week I read you verse 1 through 13, but let me just read verses 1 through 4 and not uh, some of the, the stuff that we talked about afterwards. Uh, we went through this in detail last week, but I want to take a step back and uh, look at a lot of other scriptures so we understand uh, what the rest of the scripture is telling us took place at Pentecost and what, what Pentecost means for us. So let's, let's read this again to remind us of what took place, or if you weren't here, to hear it. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together, 120 disciples in Jerusalem, in one place, all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came down to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. So what is the message of Pentecost? What took place here? What is the significance of this? One way to put it is this. Jesus has now given the Holy Spirit to all of his disciples. And from this day forward, as people um, are, are, are becoming his disciples, he will be giving the Holy Spirit to each one. This isn't teaching us that this is a map, that what you do is when you're, when you're already a Christian and already a disciple, you pray in a room for 10 days, and then you get the Holy Spirit. That's not what it's telling us. What it's telling us is on this day in history, on this day in history, something changed, something fundamental switch that had never taken place before. And from this moment on, people would receive, everyone who was a follower of Jesus 
would be baptized with the Holy Spirit, would be filled up with the Holy Spirit, would receive the work of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.5, what did Jesus say? He said, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That's the way Jesus described this. Um, he, that, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't actually say there that he's going to baptize them, but other verses tell us that, us that it's Jesus who is sending the Holy Spirit to us. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Another verse that, exp- that talks about this is 1 Corinthians 12, 13. By the way, I'm going to read so many scriptures tonight. If you keep trying to turn, feel free to turn. If you are a speedy, uh, a speedy scripture flipper, go right ahead. But you may have trouble keeping up. So try to instead just hear the Word of God and meditate on it as you hear it. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For we were all, all, every single Christian, every single believer, we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, one church. We were all baptized. This is what it means. All believers, everyone who belongs to Christ, everyone who belongs to God the Father has now been baptized with the Holy Spirit, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, Paul says. And we were all given that, the one Spirit to drink. We drank in the one Spirit. We were filled with the one Spirit. We were baptized by the one Spirit. And of course, later in this chapter, we're, we're going to get to it later in coming weeks, uh, Peter talks about the fact young and old, men and women, everyone, everyone. Uh, here he says, Jew and Gentile, slave or free. We are all baptized. So here's what I want you to reflect. I'm about to tell you what has already happened to you to remind you of what you have already experienced, what you have already been through, and to draw, sort of draw your heart into thanksgiving and to worship and to praise. I want you to hear what I'm, what I'm, what I'm telling you. I'm telling you about yourself. I'm telling you about what the Holy Spirit has already done in you and to remind you of the glory of what has already taken place, Okay. So listen to me on this. First of all, he gave you new life. Do you remember that language of John, that Jesus uses in John chapter 3 to be born again? But he also describes it being born of water and spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, gives us a new life, causes us to be born from above, born again, born of the spirit. And all, the person who, there was at some point in your life where the person that you were before ended and a new life began. It was entirely the work of God. It wasn't you causing it to happen. It wasn't you making a, a, a choice and going a different way. It was God coming into your life. It was like the storm blowing up. It was you, there was nothing you could do to stop the storm from coming. The storm blew into your life, and, and this is what took place. God took hold of your life, and he uh, gave you a new life. He, he gave you a new heart. From Ezekiel 36, 26, he says, I will give you a new heart, and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And that imagery means that before the Holy Spirit worked on you, you had a heart of stone, which meant your heart was stone to God. Your heart was dead to God. Your heart at one time was not interested in the things of God, not interested in Christ, not interested in in the righteousness of God, not interested in the scriptures, not interested in his truth, not interested in his glory. You weren't interested in any of that stuff. It it was distant from you. It had, maybe you'd been raised in it, but it didn't really, it didn't really, um, you weren't alive to it. It didn't mean something to you. And he says that by the Holy Spirit's work, um, Ezekiel prophesying this day, and this is what has happened with Pentecost. I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit on you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And then he goes on and says, I will put my 
my, God speaking, my spirit in you. And I will move you. When I put my spirit in you, you will then have a heart of flesh. You will then respond to the things of God. You will then respond to God. You will then be sensitized, have a feeling for, a desire for, an interest in, a passion for who God is, God himself, and what God's call is upon your life. It says, and then you, you, I will move you. When I put my spirit in you, I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will be passionate. You will be passionate, like the author of Psalm 119, you will be passionate about God's word, about God's truth, and you will, and you will long to follow in it, and you will follow in it. Um, the Holy Spirit showed you the glory of Jesus. He showed you the glory of Jesus. J.I. Packer loved to say that the Holy Spirit's ministry was like a floodlight. It was a floodlight on Christ, um, that the Holy Spirit was... Uh, was in you, but the Holy Spirit's duty was to, to always be shining the light on Jesus Christ. He, and he got the idea from going to speak at a church one night. It was a dark, it was an evening service like this one, except it was after dark. And the floodlights, you've seen those churches that have floodlights shooting on the building so you can, the church is standing out. And he said, that's the, the floodlight is the Holy Spirit. And who is he shining his light on? Who is he directing everybody's attention to? Jesus, Jesus. And so the way you became a Christian at some point was the Holy Spirit showed you the glory of Jesus. You began to see the beauty and the glory of Jesus. Uh, when Jesus himself said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, you know what he said about the Holy Spirit? He said, I'm going to send you the helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. When I've ascended and I've left you and I'm no longer with you physically, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. You know what the Holy Spirit's going to do? He says this, he will glorify me. That will be what he does. He will glorify me. Jesus, the Holy, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and what will he do? In your hearts, through the word of God, but by the way, everything I'm saying tonight, I'm going to talk a lot about the Spirit, but nothing is divorced from the word. The word and the Spirit work together. Uh, you can't separate them. They're always working together, and we'll get into that a little bit in a minute. But, um, but he will glorify me. He will He will. He will, he will show you the glory of Jesus. And so the fact that you love Jesus, the fact that Jesus moves you, the fact that Jesus draws your heart, the fact that you have a, a sense of Christ, a sense of his glory, that came from the Holy Spirit. You would not have that. That's something Jesus did for you. He did it for you. He drew you to himself by putting his Holy Spirit in you, baptizing you with the Holy Spirit and showing you the glory of Jesus. That's, Christ did that for you. He showed you his own glory. He said, this person doesn't see my glory. He's just going off in, his, he's going off in this direction. He's going to waste his life on these things, but I'm not going to let him. I'm going to show him my glory. I'm going to, by my Holy Spirit, show my glory to this one and this woman and this man and this boy and this girl. I'm going to show who I am. Another verse about this is 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let, let light shine out of darkness, he made his light shine in our hearts. And what is that light? To give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ, right? In the face of Christ. This is what the Holy Spirit has done in you. And, and there's more to come. So this is the continuing work. If you feel like, oh, I don't know Jesus well enough, you're right, you don't. There's so much more to know, and that's the continuing work of the Word and Spirit. As you read your Word and study the Word, and as the Holy Spirit works in you, you will know Him more and more. And that's what Paul prayed for Christians. I just wish you would, what I, what I long for you, what I pray for you, is that you would know Jesus better, that you would know Him more. I remember the, all the prayers in Ephesians. 
I just pray that you would see him better. You would see more of him. You would see that. That's why he uses that, that spatial language because he's saying, yes, you see Jesus, but there's so much more to see. Yes, you see Jesus, but there's so much more to see. Yes, you see, you see this much Jesus, but there's so much more to see. So much more to see. And just continue in the Holy Spirit and the word of God and you will see more and more of him. Even in this life and in the life to come, of course, you will see him perfectly. But uh, there is so much more of him to know. He gave you faith. The whole, the, the, Jesus gave you the Holy Spirit, and that's what awakened faith in you. In order, the, the fact that you believe the message, the fact that you believe the message, at some point, I don't know if it was your mama talking to you while she was putting a Band-Aid on your knee when you were three years old. I don't know if it was your Sunday school teacher at five years old. I don't know if you were 65 years old and you, and you wandered into church and you heard God's word and you believed the message. Whenever that took place, that was the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And that was, that was a miraculous work. Do you understand that what's already happened in you? What's already happened in you is mind-blowing. God, the, the creator of the universe, has already taken hold of your heart. You may look at yourself and think you're pitiful and think you're small, but mer- amazing, powerful work has already... That blowing sound of that wind, that's just a sign. The wind isn't significant. The, the wind is just signifying what God is doing and has done in hearts and what he's, what he's now doing in hearts generation after generation after generation, the power of the Spirit. And that flame over the head, that's an amazing thing, but it was just a sign pointing to something, which was, I'm going to set them ablaze by my Holy Spirit. I'm going to set them ablaze. And you have been set ablaze. The power of God has worked in you. He gave you faith. Acts 16, 14, an example of this. The Lord, the Lord, it doesn't say spirit here, but we know from all the other teaching of the scripture, this is, this is the work of the spirit. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. The Lord opened her heart. She heard Paul's message. She would not have responded unless the Holy Spirit opened her heart, right? And at some point in your life, the Holy Spirit opened your heart to respond to this message. He poured, the Holy Spirit poured God's love into your heart. One of my favorite verses is Romans 5.5. 5. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. At some point, you began to know, you began to experience and understand God's great love, God's great love for you, God's great love for sinners, God's great love for his church, all that that has happened in your life. You have been awakened to God's love. Now, I know there's so much more to know, so much more to to grow in, but recognize what's already happened. There There are people walking around in this world who know nothing of God's love. They don't know God's love yet. There's still hope, but they don't know God's love yet. But you know it because the Holy Spirit poured out God's love into your heart that you knew God's love. You experienced God's love. This is something he has already done. He's already done this in your heart. So Pentecost is showing us that this is what now happens. It, it's, not, it's, it's not showing us that... Um, you know, Christians, once they become Christians, they could, they could uh, go for some of this stuff. It's telling us this is what is now available to everyone, all members of the church. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing in the, in the hearts of everyone. He is at work in people uh, to another degree, on another level than anything that was done in the Old Testament times. And in the Old Testament times, it was pinpointed on certain people, 
kings, priests, and prophets, but now for all. The servants, you know, Peter says, quoting Joel, even the servants, even the servants are going to get this. Not just the kings and the prophets and the priests, but even the servants, the women and the men, the young and the old. Uh, and, he, and, and Paul said in that passage we read earlier, even the Gentiles, even the Gentiles are going to get this. He assured you, the Holy Spirit assured you that you are God's child. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So the Holy Spirit has assured you that you are a child of God, that you belong to God, and he is your good father, and he loves you, and he's watching over you. He sets, the Holy Spirit has set you free to live for Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3, 7, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when the Bible talks about freedom, it means freedom to obey Jesus. It means freedom to obey God, to do God's work, to love uh, in the manner that God calls us to. So the Holy Spirit has set you free. The Holy Spirit has already begun this work in your, your life and set you free from whatever you were shackled, whatever sin. Uh, we, were, we were at one time uh, slaves to sin, slaves to the devil, slaves, slaves to death, and we have been liberated from that, set free from that. The Holy Spirit has already done that that work in you. You've already experienced the beginning of this, the beginning of that freedom um, to be set free. Um, he stirs you up to worship. John 4, 24, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. No longer like in the book of Psalms, will they all, in the book of Psalms, whenever you hear about worship, it's always people going up, right? And where are they going up to? To Jerusalem, to Zion, to the temple, to worship at one of the great feasts, worship at one of the great festivals. But Jesus says, no, when the Spirit is poured out, we will worship everywhere. We will worship anywhere and everywhere because everyone will be filled with the Spirit. Everyone will worship in spirit and truth. All, all my people will worship wherever they are, um, and they will worship in spirit and truth. Um, so the Spirit stirs you up to worship. The, the Holy Spirit transforms you over time. So this is something that we call this progressive sanctification, something that's an ongoing progression, an ongoing process. Another one of my favorite verses. Tonight was a good excuse for me to read all my favorite verses. But here's another one of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, all, don't, lose, don't miss these words all, all, all of us, all Christians, every single believer, and we all who with unveiled faces, and that veil he's talking about there is the veil before you have, this is Paul's image for, for getting the Holy Spirit. It's sort of a reverse image. He says getting the Holy Spirit is like having the veil stripped away from your face. You're, you, when you're walking around before you have the Holy Spirit, it's like you're living life and you're reading the Bible. And he, he particularly refers to reading the Bible here. But you're reading the Bible and you're living life with a veil over your face and you can't really see God and know who God is. And then the Holy Spirit comes and he rips the veil off your face. And then you can see. And he, he opens up so that you can see. It says, we with unveiled faces. And what do we see? What do we see when our faces are unveiled? What is it that we get to look at because the Holy Spirit has ripped the veil off and opened up the eyes of our heart? What has he opened up the eyes of our heart to? 2 Corinthians 3.18. And now we contemplate the Lord's glory. Jesus' glory. That's the key to all of this. This is when he rips off the veil. When the Holy Spirit's at work in you, what do you see? What comes before your eyes? The glory of 
of all that Christ is, who Christ is. You contemplate, you look at, you, you stare at, you gaze on the Lord's glory. And of course, once again, this is all tied to the Bible. It's all tied to the Word of God. I want to keep reminding you of that. We'll, keep, we'll come back to that again. But at, when you're reading your scriptures, when you're hearing the, the scriptures taught, and when you're hearing the scriptures preached, and the Holy Spirit's at work in you, you are contemplating the Lord's glory. And this is this interesting image he then uses. He says, and what happens is while you're looking at Jesus, the longer you look at his glory, the more you change. You become more and more like the one. The longer you look at him, the more, you, the more of him you see, the more time you spend looking at him, the more you change to look like the one you are adoring, the one who is before your spiritual eyes, the one whose glory you're staring at because of the work of the Holy Spirit, the longer you look at him, the more you become. So when Jesus is in your eyesight, when Jesus is in your spiritual sight, you are changing to become like Christ. And the more you spend time staring at Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, the more time you you spend with your eyes, your spiritual eyes on Christ, the more and more and more you will become like Christ. You go from glory to glory. He says, uh, you're... As you contemplate the Lord's glory, you are being transformed into his image. You're becoming like him. And then he says, from glory to glory, or with ever-increasing glory is the idea. From one level of glory to another level of glory, to you become more and more like Jesus. And all of this is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just wants to get you, to help you to just spend your life adoring Jesus to spend your life growing in your knowledge of Jesus and adoring him more this week than last week and, and understanding him and knowing him more this week than last week. and growing Because while it's not just, this is not just bare intellectual knowledge. The more you grow in your knowledge of Jesus, the more you will become like him. You will change into his image. This is what the, the Holy Spirit... And by the way, this has already started. This is not... This is not Oh, I'd like to get there some. No, no, this has already started. This has been going on already for years. You still have a lot of growth. There's still a lot of sanctification. Still a lot of progression to take place. A lot of progress still to go on. But this has already been going on. Do you understand what you've already been involved in? What God is already doing for you? It's no small thing what has happened to all of you in this room. It's no small thing what God is already doing in all of you in this room tonight. He grows his fruit in you. Galatians 5.22. This is the slow growth of what? The fruit of the Spirit. What does, what does the Spirit grow in us over time? Grow, he grows these fruit in us. What are those fruit? We know them. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the work of the Spirit. That's also that's part of sanctification, growing these fruit in you. He gives you the strength whenever you are, where, whenever you are weak. Whatever area of your life perhaps you're weak in or, or moments when you're weak, the Holy Spirit is there to help you. Remember, Jesus called the Holy Spirit the helper, the advocate, the comforter, the one he would send to help you, the one who would be with his people. Um, in Romans 8, 26, he said, uh, Paul says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our Weakness, And I, I, re- I really love this verse, th- the next verse, because th- this idea is, he says he helps us in our weakness, and then he gives this example. He gives an example of, of, of being weak in prayer. Anybody out there weak in prayer? 
Anybody out there feel like you're weak? One of your areas of weakness is prayer. I can't tell you how many times Christians tell me, I'm weak in prayer. I'm not very strong in prayer. He says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And then the example he gives is people who are weak in prayer. And he says, sometimes we're so weak in prayer. He says, what Paul says here is, sometimes we're so weak in prayer that we're we're overcome by something, we're distraught by something. we're 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 crying out to God for help. We're crying. We don't even know how to put it into words. We don't even know exactly what we should say. We don't even know what verses to turn to, and we're weak, and we're so weak. And he says, what comes out of your mouth is just sort of like a, oh, 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 just groan. He says, guess what? The Holy Spirit takes that groan, takes it straight to God. And he answers that. He helps you. He, he helps you. He, that prayer is, is heard. You think, I didn't say anything. I just groaned. The Lord heard the groan, and the Holy Spirit helped. The way Paul says it is, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. He prays for us. When all we're praying is groans, he says, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through our wordless groans. When we are just groaning before God, we, have, we don't even know exactly what we should say or what we're or we're overcome in some way and he helps us that's just one example of how he helps us in our weakness but he helps us in all of our areas of weakness what are your areas of weakness the holy spirit is the strengthener he is the one who gives strength and helps us helps us to be strong where we are weak gives us not his not not makes us strong but gives us the lord's strength gives us christ's strength he illuminates you so you understand the scriptures the Bible that he's given us. We can't understand this Bible unless the Holy Spirit turns the light on in our mind and our hearts. He gives us truth. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, the person, listen to this, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. In other words, the teaching of the Scriptures, what the Scriptures teach us. He considers them foolishness. He, he, he doesn't accept them and cannot understand them because, because, this is the important thing, they are discerned only through the Spirit. The only way that you can understand your Bible and get the message for you and the message for the church and and understand what the Bible is teaching and what the pastor is talking about, the only way that can happen is if the Holy Spirit is working in you. To others, they can understand the words and the concepts, but it's all it's all junk to them. It's, it, it, it's not, there's no reality to it. It's not truth. They don't hear, they don't under, they don't hear the truth of it. They don't, they don't understand. And, it, and the Bible helps us, I mean, the Spirit helps us to understand the Bible too, to passages that, are, that at first we had no idea what they meant, um, to grow in our understanding of them and to be illuminated by them. A few more things I want to m- mention, and then we're going to uh, talk about one other thing. We often talk about charismata, the spiritual gifts. He gives you specific abilities. He gives you specific abilities to serve God. Now, um, I didn't say this at the beginning, and I was going to say this. I'm not going to talk about miracles and tongues today, and this is why. We'll, 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 we'll talk about that in the future. Those subjects will come up again. But I'm not going to talk about miracles, tongues, the more extraordinary works of the Spirit. And this is why, because what Pentecost is about is what he does for everyone. And the Bible tells us that he, that he does do tongues. Obviously, t- tongues have been given to people. We have it recorded in Acts chapter 2. People spoke in languages. We have it recorded in other places in Acts. 
Um, but it, does, it also says he doesn't do that for everyone. So doing. Second thing I want to say is the people around us who this hasn't happened in, in yet, there is hope for every single one of them. We are not, it is, election and all of that, none of that mystery is revealed to us. And so we need to understand that there is hope for every single one of them because the hope for every single one of them is God. It's not you. It's not me. It's not the power of, it's not the, uh, the skill of the church's witness or the skill of the, it's the, it's God himself. So pray for the people around you because only God can do that. Only God can change them. Only God can, and can do that work in them. But it happens with the word. So my third application is this. Recommend Jesus to them. That sounds almost dumb the way I just said that, but I think you know what I'm saying. Recommend Jesus. Recommend him. I heard, I heard someone say something like that one time, and it struck me because of it was so casual and so... but. But she meant it so seriously that she said, she said something like, um, I want you to know that I cannot recommend Jesus to you enough. <laughs> Meaning, <laughs> this, he's the one. This is the answer. Go around and talk to people that way. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the one. He's the one God sent us. Don't miss the one God sent. This is what he's done for me, even me. This is what he did for my brother. This is what he did for my sister. This is what he did for my son. This is what he did for my daughter. This is what he did for my grandfather. This is what he did for my friend. Jesus, let me tell you about Jesus. I can't recommend him enough. I can't more. And what that really means, I really think evangelism is just praising Jesus in the streets. It's just getting out in the streets before people who don't want to hear about Jesus and praising Jesus before them and saying, Jesus is the one. Praise him. You don't know what he's done for me. You don't know what, it, what he's done in my life. And this is who he is. This is who he is. And just speak the truth. Of, just to speak the truth about Jesus with fervor is praise. Just to say what the truth about Jesus is. If you're saying it with, with, with if you're saying it and, and you're bored by it yourself, that's not praise. But if you're saying it and you believe it and you love him, that's praise. And that's evangelism when you, pray, when you praise before unbelievers. And so recommend Jesus to people because the Spirit works through the Word. We don't just pray for the world and hope. We just pray for the world, but we don't talk to them. That's not the way it works. That's not what he wants us to do. He wants us to pray for the world, pray for those people out there, and then speak to them about Jesus. Speak to them about Jesus. Speak to them the gospel truth, what the Bible teaches us about Christ. Um, I don't really have too much time left, but let me try to do, let me edit this a little bit and finish with this last thought. I wanted to, 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 serve, to, to think about the idea of being full of the Spirit, because that's the language used here. They were, they were, all of them were, first four, they, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That language is used as well. Um, and you see that language in, in Acts a lot. Acts 6, 5, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Acts eleven twenty four. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Acts 4, 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said this. And then Acts 13, 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and filled with the Holy Spirit. All Christians... As you know, we've talked about this many times. We heard it this morning, and we heard it just a minute ago, Ephesians 5, 18. 
All Christians should desire that the Holy Spirit fill them continually. Um, sometimes you can fall into the thing, well, that's for special occasions. That's for, I need a filling of the Spirit right now because I'm facing something, com- something drastic or something big or something really important and I need to be. But that's, the idea is continually, every, all Christians should desire that the Holy Spirit fill them continually, desire to always be full of the Spirit. In other words, under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit, receiving from God uh, his, his enabling power and, and everything that he has for us, all the different ways. Um, and Ephesians 5.18 commands us to do so, be filled with the Spirit. And I, I've been, I, I think about that verse a lot. And um, I was thinking about that verse one day, and I thought, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, it's, he, he contrasts it with the drinking, you know, don't be drunk but be filled with the Spirit. And so, and then and another, and that, other, that other passage I read, he talks about drinking in the Spirit. And I began to think, I mean, what he's telling us to do is drink in the Holy Spirit all day long. Be filled up with the Holy Spirit. Drink in the Holy Spirit. And I used to say, well, you can't fill yourself with the Holy Spirit, obviously, right? So we just need to ask God to fill us. But I don't think that's really true. Of course, we got to ask God to fill us. Of course, it's all God's work. But, but if he tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I think he's saying more than just pray. Ask him to fill you. I think he's, say, he's saying, drink in the Holy Spirit. Drink in the Holy Drink him in. Be filled up with him. Take him in. And how do you take him in? Something else that we aren't as excited about as we should be excited about. The Word of God. Reading the Word of God, drinking in the Word of God is how you are filled with the Holy Spirit. As you are filled, as you drink in the Word of God and are filled up with the Word of God, you are filled up with the Holy Spirit. The the Spirit works with the Word. The Spirit works. There was a season in my life where I was praying for the Holy Spirit to, to work in my life, but I was doing a lot of this where I was asking for it, but not spending much time on those particular days in the Word. I was just praying, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit, and then going out. And then I began to realize, no, I need to not just ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but then drink in the Holy Spirit. This is, the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? This is His inspired Word. He gave this to the prophets. He gave this to the apostles. So the, your, your direct access to the Holy Spirit is when you read these words and He illuminates them for you and you drink in the Holy Spirit. And what context does this take place in? This takes place in the worship service on the Lord's Day. This worship service, the morning worship service, when you gather with God's people, when you, when you feed on the sacrament, when you listen to the sermon, when you sing the Bible, right? When we praise, we sing the Bible. When we pray the Bible, and we sing the Bible, and we listen to the Bible, and we listen to the Bible preach, and we, we receive the sacraments, uh, that's how we are feed. That's how we are uh, drinking in the Holy Spirit. And that's why, um, and some of you may think I've gone overboard with my, all this Lord's Day talk I'm, I've been giving recently, but I've, been, I've just been realizing, oh, this is, he gives us this Lord's Day. He, this is, we have all seven days he wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit, but he gives us this Lord's Day as this, as this time that's off to, 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 to fill up, to fill in with the Holy Spirit and more time to, to be, that we have to spend. I'm not saying this other six days we can't, be being filled with the Word and the Spirit as well. But He gives us this time um, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the worship service. But then, of course, meditating on the Scriptures, reading the Bible and meditating on them prayerfully, pondering and asking the Lord to speak through His Word to you and to give you 
uh, what he has for you. And it may not be, it may not be new lights, but it may just be the, 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 what you already knew uh, set ablaze that comes alive to you and stirs you up and encourages you and strengthens you. Prayer, of course, we should be praying for this. If we're not asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit and seeking that, then it's, it's, God can still do it. But his ordinary way of working is responding to when we pray for these things. Uh, uh, praying for the Holy Spirit. Praising itself, praising God um, is a way. Has this, I'm sure this has happened to all of you in this room. You've been praising God. You've been singing a hymn or you've been praising God, maybe just in a prayer, speaking to God and praising him. And uh, the Spirit has been filling you through this, this, time, of, this time of praise, this time of, of giving thanks to God and praising him. And the last one I want to mention is your fellow Christians. Remember that they're all spiritually gifted. Remember that God has given them all gifts. They all have the Holy Spirit's at work in them. They're all set ablaze as well. And when they come over to you and they speak to you, that may be uh, exactly, that may be the, the, the work of God, the way the Spirit is going to fill you uh, in this moment and, and, and help you and strengthen you is through that other Christian there who is also filled with the Holy Spirit. So all of this, I just wanted to say all that to, to uh, make sure you understand how great, that, how wonderful this is when we, when we talk about Pentecost. This, this shows us, this, this watershed moment, the beginning of this new era in which we live, when all of these things are happening in Christians, um, and all of these things are, are already happening, but also we are to continue in it. We are to be, continue to grow in sanctification continue to live filled with the Spirit. I think that, um, you know, some of, us, some of us may hesitate if someone said, are you full of the Holy Spirit? Would, what was said about Barnabas, would you say you're full of the Holy Spirit? Probably most, a lot of us might hesitate to that. But I'd like us to be able to get to the point where we're like, yeah, I am. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I am. I, I sin. I have moments of weakness but I'm drinking him in constantly and he is working through me and I see his fruit in my life and I see his sanctification and I see his illumination and I see him helping me when I'm weak and I see him uh, uh, assuring me of God's love when I sin and, and, my, and God's forgiveness and I see the constant work of the, the Spirit. I know he's working. I know he's at work. I know he's in me and he's, he's at work in me. Let's pray.